Welcome to Inspirations, a podcast where we discuss everything relevant to the Christian life. Now, here is your host, Jay Spurlock. All right. Welcome into the Inspiration Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Spurlock. Today, I'm joined by one of my good friends. I finally feel like I won the lottery. I asked him so many times to be on here, and it's finally happened. But Todd Bronner, he is a youth pastor and what I would say a biblical expert as well. <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't appreciate about, you coming I don't on, know Todd. About the biblical expert part, but we'll yeah we'll try to try to talk about what we something we know about. Maybe I don't know. All right. Well. I'll lead out a little bit into what Todd has been in my life and he's going to be mad at me for going into this, but Todd has been a, a great um, person for me in my life and my journey of faith. Um, he has given me numerous opportunities to kind of uh, perform my ministry, I guess to say, to speak, to uh, do different things for the students here at new vision. And, um, and he has walked me through that and it, and that has meant everything. So I thought maybe a fitting topic today, we'll talk about discipleship and what does it mean to be a disciple? Because sometimes in our world today, we tend to overuse that and maybe miss the whole point of it. But me and you have both talked about how we like the chosen, the, the new series we highly recommend, but where Jesus is finally walking through and he sees Matthew and he calls him to follow him and to become his disciple. So what, what would you say that means? Well, in Luke chapter five, um, you know, in the new living translation, it says, come follow me. And it adds to be my disciple. And so we're not just looking at a following, uh, maybe like we would think of it today where I'm a follower of Jesus, or I know uh, maybe in more modern times, some people don't even like to say I'm a Christian, mm -hmm. but I'm a Christ follower. Um, that seems to usually most people equate that with salvation. But he's calling him really to a much bigger call uh, to be his disciple. We know Jesus had many, many followers. Um, at one point, we see 20,000 gathered at one time. We see even 500 after he's risen from the dead. But he only had a few disciples, um, probably 12, and then maybe a few others that were close, that were always there. You know, we see that in Acts where they drew lots and Matthias replaces Judas. So he had many people following him, but here's what it meant in the first century to be a disciple. We have to look back and see what it meant to them. What did Matthew hear when he was at the tax collector's booth, what did James, John, Peter, and Andrew hear when they were in their fishing boats? And they said, come follow me. In that one, it's a little different. He says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But very similar. Come and I'm going to lead you into something. Come be my disciple. And so what a disciple was in those days, a disciple was someone who followed a teacher and didn't follow them to learn what the teacher knew. See, in our world, when you go into an educational setting, Jay is a teacher. <laughs> yeah. I am a uh, teacher in a little bit of mm -hmm. a different setting uh, in the church. Um, but when we're teaching, we're trying to communicate 
to our students what we know. When Jay teaches history, he's trying to teach things that he's learned Mm -hmm. to the students. When I'm at church, I'm trying to maybe do a little bit more closer to what Jesus is doing because I'm trying to not only teach them information, but trying to teach them facts and inspire them to put that into action. But when you were a student of a rabbi, when you were a disciple, you could only be a disciple if you had a rabbi. A rabbi was a teacher. When you were a disciple of a rabbi, you did not just want to know what the rabbi knew. You wanted to become what the rabbi was. You were a, in the sense of the old Austin Powers movie, you were that mini me. You were trying to become like him that would incorporate knowing what he knew, living like he lived, walking with him, talking with him. There's actually Jewish uh, people today that will follow rabbis. They will walk into the restrooms with them, probably not into the stall, but they will go in there because they want to see how does he do it? What prayers does he maybe pray? What does he say? How does he greet someone when he sees them in the same restroom. In the uh, rabbinical tradition, they would say that you were in the rabbi's dust because as you walked around, you literally were catching the dust off of his feet because you were that close. That's what, And that's what we see the disciples do. We don't see them come and hang with Jesus for a little bit. What we do is we see him go and spend extended periods of time with him, 24-7, living with him, observing with him. And then we see something very interesting. He gives them opportunities to do ministry. He starts by giving them opportunities to assist and help. They've observed, then they get to assist and help. And you'll remember he sends them off together with others and then they come back. But that's really what a disciple was. So in those days you would become a disciple. And here's what is earth shattering about how Jesus did it. As we know, Jesus broke pretty much all cultural norms, all respected ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, he still didn't, not follow the Old Testament. He just fulfilled it. He interpreted it in a new way. Um, And so in those days, you would go to school in Galilee, at least until you were 12 years old, boy or girl. If you were a girl at 12, your formal education was done. At 12 years old or around the time you would have your menstrual cycle, you would begin to get married. Mm -hmm. Um, You would be looking to find a husband, which would be um, sometimes a multi-year process, but you would get that husband. Um, And then as a boy from 12 to 15, you would go to kind of like a high school. In the elementary school, boys would study mostly the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible. Afterwards, they would study uh, what we would call the Tanakh, which a Jewish person would call their Bible, which we would call our Old Testament. And from 12 to 15, you would learn that, some advanced study, but you'd also learn your trade. Because at 15 years old, most people were done. And if your trade was going to be fishermen, you know, that's why you see James and John, they were with their father Zebedee. You know, he was there. That was their family business. You see Jesus. He was a... Um, carpenter or some sort of craftsman and learned that from his father. And so that's what you would typically do at 15. You would go off to your trade. However, if you were at 15 and you just had that fire that you wanted to pursue God, that you had the passion for him, you would attempt to find a rabbi. And what you would do as a potential disciple, you would find a rabbi that you liked their teaching, that you liked how they lived. And you would go and approach that rabbi And you would ask him if you could be their disciple. All the potential disciples approached the rabbis, approached the teachers, asking. It was almost like an audition. If you compare it to something today, it'd be your college applications. Mm. You send out your application. You're trying to show your best forward, your grades, your extracurriculars, everything about you, your uh, reference letters. Who you know. Who who you know, everything, you know. 
and you try to get in as a as a as a student. And so you would try to get in there as a disciple. And if the rabbi thought maybe you could make it, maybe you could do it, they would call you to be um, a disciple. And that meant leaving everything because mm-hmm. you lived with them. You stayed with them. You traveled with them. You worked with them. You worked alongside them. And oftentimes, they would go from 15 to 30. Remember, when did Jesus start his ministry? Around 30. 30 30 years old. He starts his public ministry. And then what does he do? At 30, he calls his own disciples. You know, he calls them and they start to follow him. But here's the shocking thing. Jesus called his disciples. And he didn't call the 15-year-olds. He called people that were already in a profession, their profession. They were Mm -hmm. already in the trade. They were already doing what they were already doing. They'd already resided that maybe they wanted to be a disciple so badly. And every rabbi said, no, you see the same thing happening. If you want to look at it, you remember um, Paul, he talks about being a student of Gamaliel, the great um, rabbi of the time. And so he was a disciple. He was that uh, person, same type of thing, same system. And so Jesus calls these people um, to be like him, mm-hmm. to be with him, to become like him. And when he tells Matthew, come follow me, be my disciple, he's saying, Matthew, come follow me. And I believe in you. And, you know, you can come and tra- be transformed. And you remember what they said when they rested, I think it's Peter and John, They said, man, these are unlearned fishermen, but they recognize that they had been with Jesus because that's what discipleship is. Discipleship isn't just learning a bunch of facts. It's not just memorizing the things. In fact, that's what all the Jewish education was. Mm -hmm. That's what all the Jewish education was. And that was like the basics, you know, and they're saying, hey, we're going to follow. We're going to allow you to to do things. And then you see this. You see at Jesus in Matthew 28. And other places, he sends them out. He gives them the authority. That's what you do. You pass on your authority to them, and they go out and, you know, create their own disciples. You know, Paul doesn't call them disciples, but you see tons of people that assist him in ministry. Those were his, you know, in a sense, his disciples. And they spent time with him. You know, you see Timothy. He comes, he meets Jesus, and he just starts, come on, let's go. You're you're with me. And you see many other people throughout his ministry. and stuff. And, and he did maybe a, a great example because he raised people up and mm. left them in towns and mm-hmm. got to spread his ministry farther. Right. So, um, man, that's just kind of, to me, a, probably a jumbled overview of right what it means to be a disciple. Yeah, there's so many things there I was thinking. But going back to a lot of times, I think we do miss this of, I know as a student being an, now a teacher as well, like we want to know what's on the test. What do I need to know? You know, and and I don't want to know anything else. And that's kind of what our culture has gotten into, I feel like. But it's more of, you know, really where I see my ministry taking off is how I'm becoming more and more like Christ and the way he loves others, how he serves others, how he leads others, how he's patient with others, how he is just it's more about what or how you treat others and serve others and you lead by example opposed to how much information I can tell you. Yeah, I really think that, um, and I've been into many, you know, I classes on this in, in school and college. And, you know, a lot of times people equate um, spiritual formation or becoming more like Jesus mm-hmm. by, by learning more. It's just cognitive knowledge. If you learn this, you'll become this. But that's not at all, um, you know, the way, the way Jesus taught, the way, 
it works to become like him. You've become like him. You experience those things. You experience him on his thing. And so one of the things that is something that probably probably will rock your world. As followers of Jesus, we're called to be his disciples. Every single one of us. We all should be somewhere in that journey. It's a lifelong journey to become more and more like him. Mm-hmm. It's a lifelong journey. But here's the fact. If we are supposed to live like Jesus lived, if we're supposed to be like he, he was, we have to know how he lived. And I would say for the majority of Christians, they know some stuff about Jesus, but they don't really know how he lived. And the only way we can do that is by hearing, mm-hmm. reading, listening to mm-hmm. the Bible, or, or seeing videos like The Chosen. There's mm-hmm. some that are word for word mm-hmm. that are great ways mm-hmm. to, to get it in. I would say probably if you want to be a great disciple, you're going to uh, put that stuff into your mind all sorts of ways. You, you know what I mean? Not just right. not just reading, not just right. views, but um, I think if we're called to do that, we cannot be a good disciple if we're not spending a lot of time and knowing how Jesus lived. Mm. And that's the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, really looking at those. Um, I know just watching The Chosen, I've just been challenged to get more into the, the Bible. And I realized this, that um, just to get more into the Gospels and really see how Jesus lived. And um, if you read three chapters a day, uh, you can read the whole Gospel, every Gospel, mm. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in a month. Hmm. It's about 89 chapters, I think, when mm-hmm. I added it up. Three chapters a day hmm. in a month you can read. And so that's, that's what I'm challenging myself to, just because mm-hmm. as we're supposed to be his Talmud, his disciples, mm-hmm. we've got to know how he lived. Okay. You know, if we if we don't know, um, you know, and I think the more you read it, the, the more you see it. Right. And seeing it in different ways, um, just an amazing thing. Yeah. So, you know, you say that because what if someone's here and they're like, well, I've already read the whole Bible front to cover. And here's what I think you can speak to this as well. Maybe where you read those gospels so many times previously in the past, it's something you see something new every time you return back to it. I would say definitely you see something new every time mm-hmm. you return back to it. Uh, you can study them more in depth. But I mean, when you were following a rabbi in those days, you would spend 15 years with them, mm-hmm. 24-7. So I don't understand. I mean, you you can, there's always mm-hmm. something new. I, I would also say this, if you're someone who struggles with this, there's something I've done. Um, grab a new translation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just like I said today, I made the comment that in the New Living Translation, it says, come follow me and be my disciple. Now it says something similar in other right. translations, but... Man, that jumped out at me when I read this, saying, man, look at what God sees in this man. Not just to be a follower, but a disciple. And knowing what I knew about what it meant to be a disciple, I was like, whoa, if you understand what he's calling this person to and how much he believes in him. And and let me be clear. Not only was this man rejected at 15 because he wasn't a disciple, he was the most scum of the earth in those Mm -hmm. days. Every Jew hated him because he was a tax collector. Every Roman hated him because he was a Jew. Uh, probably if there were only people he could be, you know, who, who hung out of his house, tax collectors and sinners, the only people that could be there were probably other tax collectors and maybe whoever they had as associates, uh, their thugs, their guys who, you know, loan shark type dudes, you know right. I mean? There, there wasn't much. And he said, so there for no reason, he says, come follow me and, you know, hmm. be my disciple. And so that's, that's just the power of using another right. um, translation. And if you're on the internet, if you have the Bible app, 
You can get them all different ones. Maybe you have read the Gospels. This this time, listen to them. Mm. Maybe you have um, listened to them. Watch them. You can watch them all word for word on YouTube, right. on Netflix. There's plenty of different ones. Maybe you say, I've done all that. Well, do it again. Yeah. Because, um, you know, the Bible doesn't change, but we change. Right. Yeah. It It's... So I'm thinking of two parables that come to mind. They're older parables, but that fit to this. There's one where this younger uh, guy that wants to learn from the master, he comes and serves with him. And he's sitting there for, I think it's over years on years. And he'll have people come in to the master and they'll teach him some ways. And he just gets frustrated more and more. And finally, one day he just sits there and he's like, I'm, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm leaving. Because I've been here a year, you've served more people, you've helped them. And he, he, the master says, but you've got to see me do all this, to live it, to see the behind the scenes and to be a sponge. And that's how I'm teaching you. And, and then there's another one where there's this, ma- this, this young student that goes to the master to learn. And he, uh, he is telling them all the master about who he's learned from, what he knows, you know, kind of sounds like a younger me, all of us, you know, we're all about what school I went to, what skills I have. Meanwhile, we're sitting across this guy that or uh, our teacher that has all this wisdom and we're sitting there trying to tell him why we're qualified. And he sits there and he's pouring this, the student some tea and he keeps pouring and his, he's noticing his cup is overfilling and the master just keeps pouring and pouring and, 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 and the student says, stop. And the master says, well, you know, it's kind of like you, you know, I can't teach you because your cup's too full. Mm. And I think about that of, you know, how many times being called out of your profession, I'm a teacher. I've been teaching since I'm 22. God comes into my life. through a hard time in my season. I connect with you. I show up to, Wednesday nights and, you know, my roles have changed and you keep giving me opportunities. A guy gives me opportunities through this ministry. And it's it's having that humbleness of not knowing and still coming and and trying to have a, a learning experience and putting yourself to in a position to learn. And uh, so many of us go to God or go to Jesus and we're we're wanting to learn from them, but our cup is so full and it just, we can't take it. Well, here's what I would challenge some of you. If you're listening and you say, man, my cup's full. I've read, I've read, I've read. Mm-hmm. I challenge you to get a brand new Bible, mm-hmm. totally blank. Not one with a bunch of study notes, just your $5 Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can easily get them off Amazon. Pick whatever translation you want, preferably one. Maybe that's different than one you normally Read if you read the uh, ESV, get the uh, NIV, get the NLT, get mm-hmm. get, get something different, and, and just read it afresh. See, a lot of times we read the Bible with a full cup. Mm. We already know what we're reading, or we think we know, or we've been told something, and we know what uh, the study Bible guy mm-hmm. knows, the Bible scholar that right. wrote the notes. And instead of hearing from God and allowing the Spirit that's inside of us. To teach us. To teach us. And what is the spirit? He's the teacher. teacher right. You know, we didn't, we weren't given, uh, you know, Bible scholars to mm-hmm. teach us. We were given the spirit to teach mm-hmm. us. And oftentimes I think that keeps us from experiencing God in a way that 
is maybe amazing just because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're relying on what other people think mm-hmm. or we're relying on other people's experiences. And yes, maybe we learn some more information, but do we really connect uh, with God? If you're a follower of Jesus and you're listening to this, the spirit of God's inside of you. And I think that's why Jesus can call us and that we can really be a disciple because we're with him. Mm-hmm. It's who we're with. It's who's inside of us. Todd Briner would be a terrible disciple. The Pharisees were trying to be disciples, but they were rule followers. Mm-hmm. They, they were trying to be great disciples of God, but they were uh, legalistic and rule mm-hmm. followers and made it harder for the people. That's what it becomes if you don't do it with Jesus's power. Right. And you can't. Right. But he says, hey, I'm with you. You're coming with me and I'm going right. to, you know, he said to Peter, James, John, Andrew, I will make you fishermen. Come follow me and I will make you fishermen, right. make you that I'm going to shape you. I'm going to mold you. I'm going to challenge your thinking on every way. Another great thing from that scene. What does Jesus say to Peter at the end? You're going to have to get used to seeing things different. Right. Because everything you think about that's going on. Right. It is different, you know. Um, and so, you know, this is a little bit aside the point, but this is something everybody's talked about. And just recently, I kind of figured out where it came from. Um, so many people were, were so shocked about Jesus because they exper- were expecting a military leader. They were expecting someone to, to do that. And you kind of see that a little bit in the um, movie The Chosen or the TV show The Chosen with Peter. You, you can almost see mm-hmm. he's keeps waiting like, hey, let's get kind of we got to start gathering these people and right. getting them fired up. And, and you know, he, he would have been a great hype man. You know, he right. was he was excited. He would have, you know, loved to introduce Jesus. But uh, so they're coming from about 150 years ago before this, uh, there was the Hasmonean dynasty and led by um, Judas Maccabeus. And they literally took out the Greeks and, and conquered the Greek um, people that were ruling them. And they set up a Jewish ruled Israel. So they were finally ruled by themselves. It had been, you know, years. And so he did it militarily. You know, he was a priest that led people and they won the military. And so that is fresh in the people's mind. And so they're looking for the next person like this. And so that's why they interpret it back into the Messiah is going to be a military person. Because, But when you read stuff like Isaiah and the prophecies there, some people call Isaiah the fifth gospel because it's such clearly about Jesus. Right. You know, it's like a lamb led to the slaughter. Right. You know, people are like a sheep without a ship. You know, I mean, it's just like, whoa, who is this talking about? Especially if you look at Isaiah 53 and it's a suffering savior. Mm. It's exactly Jesus. And so uh, I just thought that was crazy because I never thought really, where did they get this from? But they they kind of interpreted that and they're looking for that again, Uh, but a a better version. Mm. Um, And so, they're, they're really looking for a Messiah, you know, and if you watch the chosen, they're not looking, you know, even the, the religious Pharisees, they're, they're not looking for a God's son. They're looking for a Messiah, a savior right. and a physical savior, not a greater spiritual savior with a greater spiritual kingdom, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, it's just amazing. And, and if you're listening, you know, and you say you already read the Bible, I mean, I started reading the Bible at 17 years of age. I've been reading it very regularly for 20 years. Right. And I'm seeing stuff new right. that I've never, never seen. And right. I've studied it for a profession, you right. know? And so it just gets you more excited um, as you, as you look into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I think that has to do with the spirit too, reading it with us, with the spirit with mm-hmm. you and it teaching you. Um, 
you know, I think about that so many times, but also where Jesus came for the sick, right? Yes. He said, you know, I didn't come to call the healthy, you know, I'm the doctor and, and I'm here for the sick. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what, what's he saying there? I think he's saying everybody's spiritually sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like today, so many people have incredible sicknesses and they deny it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't need to go to the doctor. I'll be all right. <laughs> right. It's just a cough. And the next right. thing you know, it's something right. catastrophic. And so right. um, when's the best time to go to the doctor? When you first realize there's a problem, mm-hmm. you know, um, right. I, I, I thank God all the time that he really got a hold of me right before I turned 17 years old in high school as a junior in high school. I seen people that went the way, different way. Way, way the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't have to, you know, go, go as far, mm-hmm. you know, down and, and, you know, I realized my sickness much earlier than some, right. You know, um, and you know, God, God forgives all sins. I always say mm-hmm. that it's truth, mm-hmm. but there's earthly consequences. Right. Um, and, and, you know, the earlier you become a follower of Jesus and, Pursue him with your life. You can avoid some of those potential. Right. You know, one thing also, and we'll we'll kind of end on this, but one thing I, I think we sometimes miss is presenting our cup daily to be filled with God. And I've had so many people ask me about prayer lately. And, you know, um, Paul says to pray continuously. And, I could be better about getting on my knees all the time and spending hours and hours and hours on prayer. I think, you know, nothing wrong with that. We're all different. But to to me, starting your day with an empty cup to say, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit and allowing the spirit to fill your cup daily to me is a way a disciple starts their day. And uh, so that's kind of stuck in me. But, you know, you've talked about that, too. And. Yeah, really, one of the things that God struck me with is that uh, so many times we talk about all these ideas and schemes and ways to advance God's kingdom or do these different things. And I think that's kind of if you watch the chosen, you guys got to watch it if you're listening, Mm -hmm. if you haven't. Um, But you see that kind of as Peter, he's trying to connive it and get it going. I mean, and you see that in the Gospels, he's trying to kind of force the issue. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what is supposed to happen is, and I say is that you lead out of the overflow. Mm. You do ministry out of the overflow. I will tell you the truth. I've been empty so many times and I've been overflowing so many times. And when you're empty, you can try your hardest and you can work so hard, but I will say you see less fruit Mm -hmm. when you're being filled over to overflowing Mm. with just, communion with the Lord, uh, just being with Jesus. That's when the ministry happens in in a much greater way. And so um, I think that's really what it means to be a disciple is to be filled up to overflowing with being connected to to Jesus, to vine, being connected to the vine. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches remain in me and I will remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) <laughs> and so what does it say? So just stay in me and you'll bear much fruit. Right. So as we're staying in him and not just learning about him, but communing with him, 
um, not just gaining facts and gaining knowledge to put degrees on the wall to, you know, I know this has been me before. Maybe it's been mm -hmm. you just saying, oh, man, look at how many books I've right. read. Look at this. And right. people come into your home and say, man, look at all this stuff you got. Or, wow, you know this? I mean, that's uh, not what it should be about. Mm -hmm. It's been about that for me. Uh, I don't think it's about that um, as much for me anymore. Um, but I think that's what it is. When you're full, you can mm -hmm. explode. If you want to see a great a way to do it today get a water bottle little grocery store water bottle the ones you buy 24 pack for two bucks and feel how strong it is when it's full before you open it it's very strong you can barely squeeze it it's solid but then feel how weak it is after you drink from it hmm. a lot of us well I just want you to ask yourself and use this as a picture. Remember Jesus, what did he teach from? He teach from object lessons all the mm -hmm. time. What was around his day? There's water bottles everywhere in our mm -hmm. day. Probably, I can see some probably from where I'm sitting now. Mm -hmm. But ask yourself, are you the full water bottle that's strong because you're filled with just communion with him to your cup is overflowing? Or are you the empty one? Or somewhere in between. And you just do that. And if you're not, get with Jesus. Get with Jesus. Read from a new um, translation. Maybe listen to the Bible. We could talk about that for a whole mm -hmm. podcast. We should um, watch it. Do something. Uh, hopefully, in the show notes, we'll have some links to some mm -hmm. of these things, so you can you can do them um, and try them out um, and stuff. And so, man, it's really cool. Hopefully, this just encourages you on your journey mm -hmm. to be a more disciple of Jesus. And remember this: it's a lifelong journey. Mm. Don't get frustrated with yourself. Right. Don't get frustrated with yourself. See where you're at a couple years ago and see if you're better, closer to him now than you were. If you are, that's great. Right. If you're not, that's okay. Don't give up. But day by day, you're going to have those struggles and stuff. And so let's look at it from a big picture. Realize it's a lifelong thing, a lifelong journey that we're uh, running that race after Jesus. And hopefully like Paul will already be able to say, you know, at the end of our time, well done, good and faithful right. servant. That's the goal. Well, Thanks man, I appreciate Jay. you coming on here. So uh, we'll try to get Ty back on. It may be another three years. So tune back in uh, by then, but uh, I really do appreciate you coming on. And uh, I hope that you enjoyed this and, and got some benefit from it. I know you will. All right. Till next time. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Inspirations Podcast. For more content, please visit inspirations.org. Also, head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. Thanks.